0: okay hey Bob welcome to God for time have you done one of these with us before?
1: Yeah hi Claire yeah I uh, a couple years ago uh, when I preached uh, in the summer I think uh, you and I talked I think that's my only other time
0: okay um well uh, we've already talked a little bit about some things that you're looking forward to being able to share with us so let's dive in um you got to preach from Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40, and why don't you give us just an overview of your sermon from Sunday?
1: Yeah, well, we're continuing on in the series, and so far we've seen uh, mass conversions where Peter preached and Philip preached, and a lot of people came to Christ, uh, starting with my sermon on Sunday, and then for the next two weeks, uh, Luke is now sharing with us individual conversion stories. So we're, in my passage, it was Ethiopian. Uh, this week, it's going to be the, the apostle Saul, who became Paul. And then it's going to be Cornelius. And so it's just, a, once again, continuing on. And with Philip, in fact, it's showing how we're following Acts 1.8, because we're moving from Jerusalem to Samaria, Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. And last week, last two weeks, we've seen him in Samaria, sharing with the Samaritans. Well, in, in those days, Ethiopia was considered the ends of the earth. They, they talked about Ethiopia being that. So we're just kind of seeing how Acts 1-8 serves as an outline for the whole book of Acts. And now we're actually starting to reach out to people who are going to take it outside of not only Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, but outwards out to the country and and into the world. So it's uh, just a stepping stone, again, of showing uh, how we can share the gospel, and especially crossing cultural lines, because he's crossing—last week he crossed Samaritan lines, now he's crossing uh, Ethiopian, a person from Africa, a person of a different color— a, a different culture, and so the gospel is now moving out into other cultures, too.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, Bob, I feel like the sermon was, like, tailored just for you. Like, the pastors saw the passage that needed to be preached, and they were like, who's going to help us with this? Bob, it's going to be Bob. Or was it just, like, totally spirit-led? I mean, like, I felt like it was meant to be preached by you.
1: Well, it, it was kind of both. I mean, back when joey was starting the series he said hey i'd like to get you in the pulpit during the series do you have a particular passage and i did pick this passage Oh,
0: okay okay uh,
1: because and i said hey if that's available i'd, I'd love to preach on on philip in the ethiopian
0: okay that's great and it timing worked out really well because um joey was out of town so that was A helpful way for you to be able to step in, like a practical way for you to be able to step in as well. Well, At
1: at the time, I didn't, he and I, I don't think, realized that this was going to be during the main push for the new E-Shift program, and it fit perfectly as an application for my sermon to to talk about the new E-Shift program at our church.
0: Yeah, so instead of us being all strategic, it was just, it's the spirit working in the lives of the people in our church.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's obviously, this was spirit led all the way
0: yeah yeah um, all right, so is there anything that you needed to cut from your sermon because you didn't have enough time to cover it?
1: Well, yeah, I'm you know, when I was uh, a regular preaching pastor for sixteen years, my sermons ran forty to forty five minutes. That was the Bible church mindset. so to cut it down to thirty, I think I went a little over. I probably went thirty five yeah, I had to really concentrate on my wording and cutting things down, so. And some of my illustrations and stories, I, I cut them down a little bit. Probably uh, the one area I just kind of skipped over that maybe some people had a question about, uh, this is called Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And, and a lot of times that term is taken to mean someone who's in charge of a king's harem. Um, really, there's two meanings to that word. And I I took it to mean political, official, or, or, or her governmental official, because right there in the passage, he's called that. Uh, he's he's referred to as the treasurer for the queen. And in, back in those days, just as a side note, uh, in Ethiopia, the king would have been considered a god, and so he was he wasn't going to be bothered with the administrative parts of the running the country. And so the queen would take that over. So the queen was the one actually running the country. And she had picked this man to be her treasurer. So he's a pretty high up person. And uh, obviously, God, uh, Philip didn't know who he was going to when God sent him. But obviously, God picked this man because he had a very strategic position to go back and share the gospel in Ethiopia. So I might have expanded that a little bit if I had more time.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, All right. Well, I noticed as I was following along with you in my sermon journal that, uh, there is no verse thirty-seven. Is it a typo? Where did it go? It goes from verse thirty-six to verse thirty-eight. What happened to this? ESV? Surprise!
1: Yeah. Surprise! <laughs> yeah, you know, I even saw that when I was going through it because I I had a Bible for fifty years. It's a New American Standard Bible I bought myself when I became a Christian, and that's the one I used to study out of. And there's verse thirty-seven in that in that Bible, but not over here in the ESV. And I'm going. Well, I wonder if anybody's going to notice that, that in our journals that it's not there. Let me tell you the reason it's not there. As I said, Luke doesn't really record what Philip shared with the Ethiopian. He said, hey, you know, here's some water. Should I be baptized? What what does this mean to me? And verse 37 uh, says this. Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may... And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So why is that not in the ESV? Well, this is what we call textual criticism, where scholars look at at all the manuscripts. And in the earlier manuscripts, this verse wasn't in there. And so when we go all the way back to the earliest ones, it's not there. And all of a sudden it shows up. And the Greek that is used is a little bit different than the Greek Luke would use. And so... People feel that maybe a scribe thought, "Oh boy, Luke didn't do a good enough job of explaining uh, what this Ethiopian knew before he asked to be baptized." We need to put something in there and say he actually accepted Jesus. And so we 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 set it aside. We 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 just say we don't think that was in the original, so we're not going to you know put all our weight on that. We're just so I tried to say the reason I knew he had done this was not because he had said these specific words because he said, hey, why don't you baptize me? And being a uh, half proselyte of the Judea Jewish faith, he would have known that Gentiles were then baptized after they converted. So uh, I don't think you need the words that were added. And yeah, but that was, I wondered if anyone caught that when I was going through that on Sunday.
0: So, um, So some versions have it and some don't and the ESV omits it.
1: Yeah, and if you go to the NIV, uh, they also do not have it there, but they have a note down at the bottom in the study Bible that explains that this verse, they list the verse, but then they say it was not in earlier manuscripts.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Thank you so much, Bob. Yeah. Um, all right. So, Bob, I got to be part of the e training along with you and, you know, the 50-some leaders at Faith Church who got to be part of e over the last year. And um, something I thought other people might be curious to know is um, you mentioned throughout your sermon a few times that we're shifting the way we do evangelism. We're trying, we are offering groups for people to learn how to do evangelism in a different way without giving away too much. Would you share how did evangelism used to go? Why does it not work anymore? And then what's the new style of evangelism that we are trying to encourage other people to try?
1: Sure. Yeah. My, my background is when I first became a Christian, I was put into Christian Businessmen committee and they had a very strong life to life evangelism program. So I learned it there. And then as I shared Sunday, my church took me through evangelism explosion. And then as a pastor of a church, I got involved in a ministry called sun life ministries, which taught different ways. So I I've, I've learned the bridge. I mean, I've learned probably five or 10, uh, methods. My favorite uh, is called how to share your faith without an argument. Uh, It's a very easy thing to use, and I'll I'll use that when I share with people and I incorporate it with the bridge. Uh, The the reason is, is we're moving to -to life-to-life evangelism is because cold call evangelism, we just can't do anymore. People aren't going to listen to us. Now, the history of faith church, as I remember, as I know, I mean, I've been here 18 years, but before that, they had evangelism explosion. Then they went to Alpha, which is a program where they brought people in. And so I think this is just another transition. I think what the the elders and the staff have realized is that we are a very, very strong biblical teaching church. We are really strong on discipleship. We're lacking in peer-to-peer evangelism. Our our outreach, the History of Faith Missionary Church has always been we do it through missions. We do it through overseas missions and local missions. We hire we don't hire, we support missionaries, professional people. And that kind of relieves us as a responsibility. We don't have to do it peer to peer. And I think we realize that with Nora now and with God moving people in, we we are lacking in peer-to-peer evangelism. I mean, look, it was really neat a couple months ago to see us have, I don't know how many baptisms we have, but that was really neat. But we haven't done that a lot because most of our baptisms are coming out of our youth group. We're not seeing other neighbors of ours, other business people, others, you know, coming to Christ. And and the, the model has always been, well, I'm going to build a relationship with my neighbors. I'm going to bring in the church and let the pastor share the gospel. That doesn't work anymore. People aren't going to come to church uh, as, as easily as they would before. So now we have to be trained to take the gospel out. And that's what peer-to-peer evangelism is. And that's what I'm really excited about East Shift. I went through the training. And even though I've been trained in evangelism, many different methods, and maybe called an evangelist before in my own preaching uh, I was really challenged by e-shift. It was new stuff for me,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and probably the, the the main thing for me was a similar thing I had learned in Christian's Businessmen's Committee was on a para, uh, You're on a you're on a uh, a level here where when you're meeting someone, and in e-shift they show a chart that shows a person goes from minus thirteen all the way up to zero. Zero, they accept Christ, but minus 13 is they may be an atheist, they may not know, maybe a a 10 is someone who went to church, but they don't, have never heard the gospel. Our job is to move every person we meet one step closer to the gospel. In other words, we may not be the ones to actually sit down and draw out the bridge and lead them to Christ, but the grocery clerk store, yeah, the grocery store clerk, or someone we see anywhere else at school or at work, instead of getting so freaked out about, oh, I've got to share the gospel, and if I don't do it right, no, my job is to be a witness in such a way that they see Jesus in me, and I move that person one step closer. So that's what we're trying to do in E Shift is teaching us how to do that, to take the pressure off of us. So I tried to say. Uh, Sunday, my experience with EE e. was that I learned the lesson that no matter how miserably I shared the gospel that night, that lady accepted Christ because it was God's responsibility, not mine. So I think that's the most exciting thing. So now we're shifting into the second year of E-Shift where we're going to train whoever wants to sign up. And I think we have 10 leaders now that are have groups life-to-life groups. I think when Joey gets back from Poland, he's going to really push that in the next couple of weeks. And then we're going to start these groups before Christmas and uh, run them 18 sessions uh, once a week for an hour and a half. And I'm excited. I've, I've got a group. I've, I've got one person already signed up. Of course, that's my wife. But um, uh, we're excited that we're going to work together and learn how to do friend-to-friend, life-to-life, peer-to-peer evangelism
0: Mm mm-hmm i'm really excited to see what god does at the end of this year and then like years to come how he multiplies this this effort i'm really excited to see that
1: yeah you know i shared that sunday i um whenever i have had the privilege of sitting in a restaurant with a napkin drawing out the bridge uh sharing my life with others and whenever i've said to them hey you know, they say, "What do I need to do?" Well, we need to pray. Would you like to pray? And they they pray with me to accept Christ. That's probably one of the highest honors and privileges of my life that I've been able to do a couple hundred times, probably. Um, and there's no greater feeling, and I just I just feel sad for our people at Faith Church that are sitting in the pew that haven't experienced that yet because mm-hmm. you just stand back in awe of God, because it wasn't you, it was the Holy Spirit. And that's the whole key to evangelism. It's his job. Our job is simply to be faithful, to go share the gospel. It's his job. We'll never argue someone to Christ. We'll never win someone to Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that does it.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: And we may we may not know. Yeah. We won't tell heaven. And there may be people that come up to us in heaven and say, um, I didn't pray that prayer with you, but it was your life that served as a witness to me that drew me closer to Christ. And so you never know. You, you never know how what people are, are, how they're watching us and how they're judging our lifestyle as believers in Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we need to be aware of that. And then when we have that privilege opportunity to actually share the gospel... Just While we're doing it, just be praying. God, you do this. Holy Spirit, you do this. In spite of my bungling right now, you break this person's heart and draw them under Jesus.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So to end, um, I'd like to wrap up and ask you a question, Bob, that Joey actually posed as like an, an overarching question over the whole series, which is, um, just asking ourselves often, where is the gospel sending me today? So I'd like to know, Bob, where's the gospel sending you? And um, what does that look like?
1: Yeah, I mean, the reality is, well, I'll give you an example. So years ago, when I was a preaching pastor up in Northwest Indiana, and we got involved in Sun Life ministry, uh, I did an evaluation of my own life. And I realized that 90 Five percent of my time as a pastor was spent with christians i had hardly no relationships outside of the church and so i made a commitment to the lord that i was going to look for opportunities to do that and in, in the next two months he allowed me to lead 15 people to the lord and i just, it just blew my mind and i realized they're all they're all there They're there every day, but I'm so busy. I'm so busy with the church details, caring for the people in the church. I I forget about the people who around me who need Christ. So in my life right now, in a retired uh, pastor, someone wrote and said back to me, they thanked me for my sermon. They said, now that you're in retirement. And they said, slash refirement. I like that refirement rather than retirement. Uh, I'm looking at the community we've moved into uh, as my mission field. There's 90 homes here. We're mostly all over 60 years of age. And I purposely, even though uh, I don't enjoy it at times, got on the HOA board. I got on the board. I'm serving there. And I'm looking at this as my mission field. I want to be a pastor to these people. So I'm not knocking on doors. I'm not taking the tracks out putting them in people's mailboxes. I'm simply trying to live in a way uh, to f- friend my neighbors, taking them cookies, you know, and invite them over for dinner, playing cards, having barbecues. You know, just looking for ways that I can be a witness and then hopefully to take it deeper. But I'm taking it you know slow, one step at a time. So that's kind of where I am right now in my life cuz I I've I've lost my pulpit. In fact, even when I set up my pulpit at home, Jean walks out of the room. Uh, so you know, I'm I'm looking for ways to share my faith, but for me, the, the hard part is when they say, well, what do you retire from? Well, I was a pastor. Boy, the walls go up. Oh, no, I'm sorry I used this language. So I'm trying to learn how to break that down and show them that I'm not a threat to them, but th- that I have, I have the greatest gift ever given, and I want to share that with them. Just like I said, I have the cure for their cancer, and I want to give it to them.
0: Mm-hmm thank you so much for sharing. Um, and we look forward to learning from you and these other leaders about what life to life groups look like and what that means for evangelism at faith church. And so I just encourage people, if they have not looked into that at all, we've got a website set up with like within our faith church website, you can just go to faithchurchindy.com slash life to life. And that's with the number two and, um, they'll, learn a little bit more about the program and be able to sign up there if they feel called and led and so just encourage people to prayerfully consider being a part of one of these groups i loved it was such a privilege being a part of e last year and i'm really excited to see how it continues to grow so yeah amen amen all right thanks bob for your time
1: god bless you claire thanks
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Cut for Time. If you wish to submit questions to our pastors following their sermon, you can email them to podcast at FaithLiveITOut.org or text them into our Faith Church texting number, and we'll do our best to cover it in the week's episode. If this conversation blessed you in any way, we encourage you to share it with others. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week.